0: hey 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 friends welcome to grief guidance i'm your host kristen hines and in today's episode i'm gonna take you behind the scenes and give you insight into what the months looked like and the days looked like after losing both Bree and my dad back in october of 2020 and just give you insight onto how i coped what i did what my days looked like what my weeks looked like because i've been getting some questions on how I got through that time, like the right after losing someone, what I did and what it looked like for me. And so I decided to just do an episode on it and really show you the raw and the realness of death and how it affected me and the people around me. And so in today's episode, like I said, we're just going to deep dive into what that looked like for me, how I held myself, what I did and things that didn't work and did work. And we're just going to get down to the nitty gritty of grief and what it really does look like to lose someone, especially that, like after just such a short period of time. And so if you are interested in learning about how that looked like for me, listen close. Hey friends, welcome to today's episode. I'm so excited that you decided to tune in and to take a listen today. Thank you so much for doing so. And like you heard in the intro, we are taking a deep dive into what the first couple of months looked like for me after Brie and dad died. Because that one to two months after they died, it was a roller coaster of emotions. It was extremely difficult for me to talk about for the longest time. And honestly, it was just like fight or flight the whole entire time. I remember feeling extremely numb. I remember feeling like None of this was real. I remember feeling like I was basically an alien here on planet Earth and that like I was going to transform into something else or like wake up because it was a dream or it was just like a very, very weird time because I was just so taken aback by the fact that I lost my dad and then lost my best friend and the fact that all of this was happening and it only happened in nine days was so crazy for my mind to wrap around like I feel like my mind didn't catch up until months later being like what just happened like what and honestly it probably took me like five months to really like like my for my mind excuse me to grasp the idea of the tragic loss that I just experienced And I'm still going through it. I'm still learning. But like I said, in today's episode, we're just going to go through what worked, what didn't work, things that I did that helped me cope, uh, things that I changed, or maybe things that I wished that I have, like I did during that time. And the reason for this is because I've been getting some messages from people just saying like, hey, I just lost someone. Is there anything you can suggest to help me? And While I have a million things that I can talk about, I do want to keep this in perspective that everyone's grief journey is different. And so what worked for me might not work for you. And so please, when you're listening to me talk about grief or anything like that, keep in mind that your experience and your journey might be different from my own. And so... What you're doing is not bad. What you're doing is not wrong. Grief has no limits. It has no guidebook. So what if you're doing something, it's completely correct for yourself. So don't ever feel like you're doing something wrong or that you need to change. If you would like to try something, that's good. But I just don't want people to think that what they're doing with their grief is bad. And so just putting that out there as a little disclaimer. And so I'm so excited to get started. And here we go. So this episode is going to be told with a lot of background and a lot of stories because I feel like in order for you to understand my mindset and my experience during this time, you have to understand what was going on around me and what my life was look like, what my life looked like during that time. And so just bear with me for a couple of minutes as I recap a few things that you might already know, but I'll start from the beginning. So on October 10th, October, yeah, October 10th, 2020, I lost my father to lung cancer. And then nine days later, on October 19th, 2020, I lost my best friend, Brie, to suicide. And during that time, during the 10th and the 19th, Brie and I decided to take a trip to Vermont because she knew I needed to get away. She wanted to get away and we just needed time to decompress, get away from the environment, the town, like the people, and just really... Like spend it with each other because like it was just something refreshing and we needed we needed to do it. And so we went to Vermont and we just wanted to run away to the mountains and so we did, and it was a beautiful, beautiful trip. We had so much fun, so many laughs, so much joy. And when we came back, it was Sunday night. and so so that's the 18th so Sunday night. And while we were on the trip, This is kind of important, I guess, to add, but while we were on the trip, I was getting calls and texts about a vigil that my father's friend wanted to plan. Because during this time, it was like there was a lot of COVID cases and people were very concerned. And so like my father, my father's funeral and um, viewing were only family and so all of his friends really couldn't pay their respects and so they were looking to me to put together not not me put together but they were looking for an okay from the family to put together a vigil for my father and so this vigil was to take place on Tuesday so like the the Tuesday after Bree and I came back so Bree and I left on like a Thursday morning or something like that and we came back on Sunday evening on Monday October 19th Brie passed away and so Tuesday in the evening is when I had to attend this vigil and so not only like it was very difficult to lose my dad but then the day after Brie passed I had to go to this vigil for my father and I I was there with so many people and I remember just being completely like numb. And completely still, because I'm surrounded by a bunch of people that are coming up to me and saying like how much they miss my dad, how much they love my father, how much they knew about him. And and I, I'm registering this like I'm mentally registering it. Right. But my reactions were just like, I don't know. It was like a robotic. I was just like, thank you. Thank you yes, okay, thank you. Um, There was no like human component to it or at least that's what I felt like because I'm still trying to process the fact that my best friend is dead at this point and no one really knows the extent of anything yet. And so I also had people like my friends and people who are my age at the vigil who like knew, like were concerned as to why Brie wasn't there. And I couldn't say anything. Um, and that I remember being so extremely difficult. The fact that I was there for a vigil for my father. And people were then asking questions about why Bree wasn't with me. Because that's the, she would have been there. She would have been standing right next to me and helping me get through it. And I had a talk on my dad's behalf. And it was, <laughs> it was so excruciatingly painful to have to show up for my dad, but then also be grieving Brie at the exact same time. And, and, and not many, not actually, I don't want to say not many, but I feel like no one knew anything at that point. And I had to kind of fake it because it's not my place to say anything. And I just remember it being so mentally and emotionally draining for me, even physically draining, because it was like, I was keeping this ridiculous secret and not ridiculous in the negative sense I mean ridiculous like how how could she actually be dead how could this actually be happening and my mind was just like in overdrive at that point and so after the vigil the next couple of days after the vigil I remember just honestly breaking down I had a lot of like grief bursts things that like remind you of a loved one that you lost and it just breaks you down mentally and physically and emotionally and i remember having many many of those um there were a lot of people trying to reach out at that time because people started to find out what happened and it was overwhelming um which is fine like if you're going through this if if you just lost someone you're if you're anything like me you're going to be extremely sad, but then also extremely numb. Because uh, there were so many things that I had to take care of and step up to the plate for and handle. So I wasn't allowing myself to get extremely sad. Like I wasn't allowing myself to get to this vulnerable emotional state of just breaking down because there were tasks and things ahead of me that I had to take care of. And My breakdowns usually happened in, like, the middle of the night or when I was completely alone at the end of the day or really early in the morning when I had nothing else to take care of. Those are the times when I would just break down, uncontrollable sobbing, like, panic attacks, couldn't breathe, like, realizing that this is actually real, they are both gone, and that all of that just happened. And so there was a lot of crying. And there was this one time where... I was just looking at pictures of my dad and I was thinking about him and then of course my mind went to Bree and I was thinking about how like she's not here to help me through that and I'm not there to help her and like she's gone and my dad's gone and it all just got very overwhelming and I broke down and basically almost hugged our trash can like I was on the floor sobbing uncontrollably and hyperventilating right near the trash And then my husband, Ben, came home and he was like very concerned, started to freak out and came down next to me on the ground and was like just worried about me because obviously I am a broken mess on the floor, basically hugging our trash can. And he was very concerned like any (laughs) loving husband would be. And I just remember that moment because it's just so real, like People don't see that side when you're grieving, the sides that are extremely ugly. Like people really, when they look at you through the lenses of grief, most people just go, wow, you're so strong. And it's like, well, uh, yeah, I can be strong, but I'm also like, I have to be strong. Like (laughs) this wasn't something I chose. Like, this is not in my control. It's not like I'm strength training to get stronger. I was given this opposition and this trial, and I had basically two two options. One, to fold and to not get through it, or two, to work through it and come out the other side stronger. And so, although that may be like a compliment to some people, to me, it was kind of like a smack in the face, like, wow, you're so strong. You're handling this so well. And it's like, um... I'm, I'm just handling it because the, op, like the other end of this of not handling it would be for me to completely break down and again that is fine if that's what you're choosing to do it's fine but for my experience and for who I am I just I couldn't do that like I had to continue moving forward I could not stop and I think just sharing those stories of complete meltdown complete breakdown bring the reality of What actually losing someone and what death really looks like in the aftermath. You know what I mean? Like I uh, numerous times there were times when I was cleaning out my car and I found a receipt of the last meal that my dad and I shared together and I completely lost it. I completely lost it. Could not breathe. I was like sobbing outside. I'm pretty sure our neighbors were concerned and it just it breaks your heart. It really breaks your heart. And I, I have many more stories like this. And so after the break, we'll come back and discuss more. So that first couple of days and weeks and really that first month, there was just a lot of crying, a lot of navigating a new normal, a lot of just feeling numb feeling extremely alone, and just really sitting in that uncomfortable feeling of knowing that my whole life has changed. And I'm a control freak, so the fact that I had no control over this also aided in a lot of anxiety and a lot of panic attacks. Um, I've not been, I have, I wasn't someone, excuse me, to really experience panic attacks in the past, but this just pushed me over the edge. I was ridden with anxiety. I would wake up anxious, go to bed anxious. I would have panic attacks in the middle of the day, panic attacks in the middle of the night. I just sobbing uncontrollably for just, you know, seeing the smallest thing that reminded me of my lost of the people that I lost. And it was just really, really, really difficult. And I remember that, like, (laughs) I was saying before the break that people were just there. Like I, I felt like I always had someone trying to check in and, I, and I'm grateful for that. I was super grateful, but um, <laughs> it just became so overwhelming at some points. You know what I mean? Like, especially when people ask you like, hey, I'm sorry for your loss. Let me know if there's anything I can do. And I remember thinking to myself like, well, crap, like, I I need help. I know I want help. and But I have zero clue even how to take care of myself. So then how am I supposed to articulate that to someone who's asking? Like, I have no clue what I can do for me. And so I really can't even ask someone to help me because I have no clue what I need for myself. And <laughs> I remember that being extremely frustrating because I did, I wanted to ask for help because I started changing, <clears throat> excuse me, I started changing my I'm fine and I'm okay. Like when people text me or reached out and they're like, well, how are you doing? I, like the first couple of days or like the first couple of weeks, I was like, I'm fine. I'm Okay. And obviously we all know, and I'm okay and I'm fine, really mean, my life sucks and I'm in a lot of pain. And so instead of saying that, I started switching my approach to when people said, hey, Kristen, how are you? Like in a text or something. I would just say, hey, thanks for checking in. I'm actually in a lot of pain. Because it that was my way of trying to be more open and vulnerable with the people in my circle. Sorry, I got cut off there, but people in my circle. And so, by practicing this and just doing that small switch of saying "I'm in pain" or "I am hurting," like you know, this all sucks, by just doing that and allowing an open like channel to that person and being vulnerable with that friend, it allowed other people to show up better for me because they knew that I wasn't okay and that they that I, like I was trying to share with them the fact that I was in a lot of pain, and. <clears throat> For anyone who does, like even myself, I still do this. If I had to give a little piece of advice, I would say just just do whatever you think is good for that person in the moment. Like if you want to make them a meal, just make them a meal and drop it off. If you want to send them a card, just send them a card. Because by asking or trying to, to put any pressure on someone during that those first couple of weeks is extremely extremely overwhelming for the person who is grieving. Um, and so that's what I would just say is just to do it with minimal effort on the person that is grieving, if that makes sense. Because, <clears throat> excuse me, you just don't want to give, like, put put another pressure on the person who just lost a loved one. And so just showing up for them in the best way possible is is enough. And besides crying... I also have a list of things that helped a lot during this time, and so therapy was one. I was already seeing a therapist before Bree and Dad died, and and I, the day I gave her a call saying like my dad died, she was already taken aback. My therapist, and then I called a couple of days later and said that Bree passed, and she was in more shock than me. Because I was like, well, like, I remember telling her on the phone, like, I'm okay. Like, I'm not okay, but, like, I am just here. Like, I'm handling this the best I can. I have so many things on my plate. I'm still working through things about dad's death. And now I'm working through things with Bree's death. And it was all so overwhelming in that my mind being, um, like, work-minded as it is, just went to focus on the task at hand. Like I had a whole entire list of things to take care of on Dazen. I had a whole entire list of things to take care of on Breeze end. I had people from both sides relying on me to take care of stuff. And so that's all I allowed my brain to do. That's all I allowed my mind to go to was take care of these things. Emotions come second. Figure this stuff out. You'll like you and your mental health and your emotional health will, will come second. To, like we have to take care of this stuff first. <clears throat> and like that helped me get through that time, but I wouldn't recommend it because now I'm going through a lot like where it's coming back up and me just having to like relive a lot of stuff and figure stuff out. But um that's what really happened during that time. But yeah, therapy did help me through that as well because she was able to help guide me and my thoughts and we were able to talk about stuff and like work through a lot of things. And so therapy was definitely a avenue that I would suggest for anyone who's grieving to look into. Also, community. Community with others. Now, this could be something that was just relevant to me. Excuse me. I'm sorry, guys. I have this little tickle in my throat today. But community, because I did not fully remove myself from community. Community with church, community with friends, community with uh, family. I... I know other people who grieve who do like going into a social setting is overwhelming for them and I understand that for me however it did help because I think I'm a, I'm a people person <clears throat> and so to be surrounded by other people and other people enjoying life especially it really made me feel better and so again just use your judgment on that but community definitely definitely helped me I also like a week and a half after Bri and dad died, I was looking for support. I needed and craved support. And that's one of the reasons why this podcast exists now was because I could not find the support I needed. And so my goal is to be that support for other people who felt like me, who felt like there was no way out of this. And I did find a class that my, like, cause we put my dad on hospice like the week Like two or three days before he passed, and so the hospice company—I don't know if want to call it company organization. There we go. The hospice organization that we worked with—they gave us bereavement packets and like things like that. And so I was looking through it one day, and there was a class on you know what to do after you lose someone and whatever. So I signed up for that, and it lasted four weeks. And I met with other people, and that was good to an extent. And here's why. <laughs> because I remember going through those classes and learning some stuff and feeling validated in my emotions and in my feelings and what I was going through. But I am super young. I am I was 26 at the time when I lost both Bri and dad. And the people who were in this class were much older than myself. And I'm not saying that like mine's more difficult or anything like that. No, that's not what I'm saying. It was hard for me because I felt like I couldn't relate to anyone in the class. Like, there were people who were in their 60s who lost, like, their parents or something like that when they were in their 80s and 90s. And it was hard for me to empathize with them because they had their parents around for so long. And I am not saying that them losing a parent was easy or anything like that. Like, I, I, I don't want to come across as if I am bashing them because they lost someone. Like, that is not my intent. What I'm trying to say is, that yeah, just because of my age and how it all went down, I couldn't, like, empathize fully with the people who lost their parents who were um, older. And so there was just this, this slight disconnect of, of, that age gap and so that's another reason why i wanted to start this podcast was for to have young people like myself listening so that we can have a discussion around it because i feel like it's really different when you lose someone when you're extremely young especially like my littlest brother who's 20 like and well he was nine no no he was 20 and it's just different for us you know and so that really is another driving force for this podcast. I want to create a community where you just feel heard, seen, listened to, valued, understood, but like truly understood because when this when you go through something this traumatic this young, it can have a way of breaking you down. And that's fine. It could break you down, but I want people to have an outlet to also reach out and to be built back up, to be put back together. And that's what I hope for this, and so I digress on this little rant. But um another thing that seemed to help me. And again, this I've have, I've had conversations with other people where this Actually didn't help, and it made things worse, but for me it helped and that was I posted pictures everywhere, like seeing pictures reading letters, uh, listening to videos of Brie and Dad really helps. not only does it allow me to cry like whenever I feel like I need to cry, I will read a letter or <clears throat> watch a video or listen to a, a voicemail of Brie or Dad because it'll it'll you know. Initiate these emotions and these feelings, and then I'll get a good cry out, and then I'll feel better. But I also put up pictures of them all around the house. Like, I now have a whole entire picture wall dedicated to Brie, Dad, and family. Like... It's, they're just everywhere and that helps me because like wherever I turn in my house there's always a picture of Brie or dad and that brings me joy it puts a smile on my face and it reminds me that of the relationships that we had it reminds me of the love that we shared and that's beneficial to me now for someone else that might bring up a lot of negative emotions heartbreak pain and so again just use your dis- or digression on that discretion <laughs> I think I'm losing it, y'all. So anyway, the pictures on the wall, <clears throat> those things help me. Pictures, letters, things like that. And when we come back from the break, I'm going to talk about the main thing that I truly, truly believed helped me through the first couple of months and still helps me. But I really think that this next topic of conversation is something that I with love for everyone to experience. So, the thing that helped me the most through this whole entire journey, and especially during the days after Brie and uh, Dad passed, was Jesus, <laughs> was my faith. I-, I've, I know that a lot of people can run from their faith and like, a lot of people can view their trials as God's punishment. And I did think that at for a couple of days, or for, there was a time, I should say, where I thought that God may have been punishing me for something. And I, I didn't really want to go to church. I didn't want to hang out with my small group. I didn't want to do the things that I knew were going to help me. But I just, <laughs> although I kept on having these negative thoughts about God and about my faith and about how the fact that that they're both gone and that he took them and like all of this stuff. I also remember like, and this may sound weird to some people, but I remember feeling almost like the Holy Spirit holding me tighter during that time. I remember feeling, like, especially on the the bad days, on the deepest and darkest days during that time, I just remember God clinging to me and saying, like, this is a really, really horrible time, but I'm going to get you through it. Things are going to be looking up. There's a reason for everything. And I just, even, like, when I didn't want to go to church, and I remember, like, forcing myself to go because... Deep in like my logical part of my mind, I knew that worshiping with others was going to help me feel better. I knew that being in the presence of other believers was going to make me feel better. I knew that God was going to show up in a way that was going to be beneficial. Like I knew that. And it was hard for me to get to to force myself to do those things. But again, at that during those times, it was almost like I felt like God lassoing me and then pulling me along, like not in like this forceful way but just like these little nudges that reminded me like I love you I like your life may not be perfect right now it may not be like what you think of as good right now but trust me this is all in a grander scheme this this is all in a bigger plan and you're going to be okay I think that's like the overarching message from God was I was going to be okay. I mean, amidst the pain and the heartache and <laughs> all the tension with family and with friends and everything, I was going to be okay. And I, and I felt that deep down. And I just like the, the devotional messages during the time, the people that I like that Jesus brought into my life during that time, it all just solidified the fact that I was going to be okay. Like, yeah, this stinks losing dad and then losing Brie and all my support systems going away, everything, it, it, it sucked. It was so painful, but my ultimate support, my ultimate, you know, what do I want to call it? Yeah. Support's a good work. My ultimate support was always there. God is never going to leave. He's never changing. He is this almighty beautiful, merciful, grace, graceful God. And just because my life is falling apart externally doesn't mean that my eternal life is falling apart by any means. And so I just remember being so thankful for those nudges, being so thankful for the fact that God held me tighter during that dark season. And that he also gave me like the knowledge and the feelings to know he was holding me tighter because I just clung to that. That was the only thing that I honestly knew to be true. And I, I like just took my hands and I clung so tightly to the fact that I knew that God was going to get me through this time. I knew that God was going to get me through this painful, painful period and that there was going to be light after this darkness and Things started to get easier, and things started to get better. And I would—I'm not trying to force church on you by any means. I just want everyone to understand my experience with Christ and what He does in my life, because that could be done in your life. Like I've first, firsthand, experienced all the goodness and the greatness that happens. And so when people look at me now, and they're just like. Like, again, I get a lot of this. I get a lot of people coming up and saying, wow, like, you've been through hell and back. How are you still standing? And my answer is Jesus. Jesus has helped me stand through this (laughs) hurricane, basically, of just bad, bad things that that have happened to me. And so if you are out there listening to this and... Maybe you don't know Jesus, or you want to know Jesus, or you know who, what I'm talking about. Or maybe you're like, Kristen, you're a complete whack job. Get away from me. I just reach out. I would love to have a conversation about God and Jesus and what he can do in your life. And and, we, and it. there's no pressure. It's just me wanting to really explain to you that, especially if you're grieving, that God right now is not something to run away from. It's something to run to. He is someone that is going to be there, going to be constant, is going to help you during this trial. And so I highly, highly suggest you to just keep that open and maybe just talk to him. He's there all the time. And so I'll digress from that little rant, but yeah, my faith, God, Jesus, all of that, was something that was extremely, extremely helpful during that first month after losing Brie and Dad. And so when I come back from this break, I will discuss a few things that maybe weren't as helpful during this time that, that really didn't benefit or aid me in any way, and we'll talk about that when I come back. So this next segment, we're going to just talk briefly about a couple of things that didn't necessarily help me during this short period of time, like during the couple of weeks and days after Bri and dad passed. And there are a bunch of little things that I would probably do different, but these are three things that really kind of stuck out to me while I was thinking about this. And the first one is talking to other people who have lost someone And I'm not talking about your friends and family who may have lost the same person. I'm talking about people who maybe you don't really know, but they'll come up to you and say, oh, Kristen, I'm so sorry for your loss. I lost my mom like eight years ago and it hasn't been easy since. (laughs) Because those conversations, and I've had lots of them, those conversations make me feel worse. And so there was a time- and and a lot of people in my case came up to me in those first couple of days and weeks and gave me those types of stories kristen, I'm so sorry for your loss. I know what you're going through. I lost my dad four years ago kristen, i'm so sorry. Is there anything I can do? I also lost my brother you know a week ago, and this this is just so horrible and The reason why these conversations didn't help me is because. I feel like when people start talking about the death of their loved ones, it almost turns into like a competition. Like it's very, very strange. And I'm going to do an episode on this soon about people comparing deaths and grief journeys, but like, (laughs) like people who have lost someone comparing that, not outside people. And so... They just weren't beneficial to me. They were, they caused me pain. They caused me heartache because I just wanted to be like, I don't like, I'm not trying to be rude, but I am in the midst of my grieving. Like someone I love just died. And by you telling me that you're still in pain eight years later, makes me feel like crap. And so I just started to avoid those conversations. As soon as someone started to bring up the fact that they lost someone, I would just be, I'm so sorry for your loss. And I would change the subject because I knew that that conversation was going to bring me more pain than good. And if they still needed to talk about it, I'm sure they had other people in their circles to talk about, like talk about their grief and that death with not me. Like I didn't have to be that person for them. And so I avoided all conversation with other people about their experience with death because it just was not beneficial for me and another thing was when people didn't bring it up like when pete when i had was a, like having a conversation with someone and they never brought up the fact that Breer dad died and it was just like this weird like elephant in the room type of thing that i started to avoid as well like if because i then if by you not bringing it up It made me feel shameful for not for like, (laughs) like almost like a burden, like shame and being a burden, because I was making you uncomfortable with the fact that Bri and dad died. And I hope that makes sense. But that's how it feels like sometimes. And I know that. If you're the other person of this conversation and you're like, well, Kristen, it's so uncomfortable to talk about death. Kristen, it's so uncomfortable to sit there and know that you're in pain and and and, like, I don't know whether or not to bring it up. I don't know whether or not to ask about it. I'm here to tell you, at least in my case, always ask about it because it makes me feel like lighter. If you... If, even if we not, like haven't seen each other for a long time, you can if you bump into me, you could just be like, hey, oh, Kristen, I'm so sorry for your losses. Like, I'm, ju- I'm thinking about you. And then we can move on. The conversation can progress. If you act like it never existed, it makes me feel bad because I know that you know <laughs> that, like, they died. And it makes me feel like a burden because I'm making you uncomfortable. And so getting it out of the way in the beginning is just beneficial for both of us. And I really hope that makes sense. And so I started to, like, when people were kind of bouncing around the subject, I would just say, like, I would bring it into conversation to give them, like, a green light pass to talk about it so that they would feel better. But again, you're making the grieving person do most of the work. And I know that kind of sounds like conceited and selfish, but like we're in pain, we are suffering. And so if you can minimize that pain and minimize that suffering by doing these little things that make you uncomfortable, just for a little bit, it will tremendously help the grieving person. And so I hope that came across clear. (laughs) I feel like I'm just talking in circles, but definitely bringing up people's deaths is beneficial, at least in my case, it was. And the last thing that really stuck out to me was Me learning to set boundaries. I wish I had the strength in the first couple of days and weeks after they passed to set boundaries with people, friends, family, acquaintances, job, things like that, because there was a lot that I did that was coming from a very empty place. Like I gave and gave and gave and gave and gave of myself and I never replenished. I never took the time to reflect. I never took the time to take care of me. And it snowballed into like just a really depressing state. And so I would definitely, definitely try to set boundaries. If you're in the midst of your grieving right now and you've just lost someone, if you need time for you, make that time. If you need to set a boundary between you and like a cousin or you and a family member, just do it because it's going to help you in the long run to do that now. And so, like I said, those are just a few things that I wish maybe I did differently or a few things that didn't work out so well during those first couple of days and weeks after Brian' and Dad passed. But during that time, it was such a roller coaster. Everything is changing. You don't know yourself. You're becoming a new person outside of, you know, death and what that looks like. And it is just a very nerve wracking Questionable time. And so, again, give yourself love, give yourself grace because what you're going through is extremely difficult and what you're going through is life changing. And you're going to have to start figuring stuff out differently now. And so, I am with you. I feel for you. And I'm so sorry that you're going through this. And so, to end this out, I just want to pray over you guys and just give thanks. And so, After the little interlude, we'll come back and I'll do that. Hey friends, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode. I would just like to close us out with a prayer. And so Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you for the time we spent together today thank you for being in our hearts and in our minds and helping us through this grief journey lord i know that you can do glorious glorious things in our lives if we allow it even if we don't allow it i know you're still working in our lives and so i know firsthand how you've shaped my grief journey and i know that you can do it for other people lord listening to this podcast and i just ask you lord to please shape their lives and give them love and grace and mercy and all the beautiful things that come with following you, Lord. And please allow their days to be beautiful and for their hearts to be restored and their love to continue with the person that they've lost. And Lord, I ask all of this in your name and for your glory. Amen. Thank you so much, everyone, for taking the time to listen. I am so excited that you are here. If you guys enjoyed this episode or you think you know of someone who might, please give us a like, comment, or share. Uh, Even leaving a review is beneficial because it allows us to extend this mission. And so I'm very excited, and I cannot wait to come back next week to talk about more. And so everyone, thank you so much, and have a good day and happy healing.